0: Thank you good morning brothers and sisters praise God I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share God's word again so glad everybody had a wonderful uh, safe trip my wife and I also had a little vacation uh, to Atlanta last weekend, and that was that was fun. That was an adventure. Uh, went to see her brother-in-law, and uh, my best friend lives down there, so that was fun. But anyway, praise God. Let's get into it. Um, last week we were talking about how God disciplines us. Becoming a part of God's family. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that that the goal of God is for you and me to become like Yeshua. The total package. Yeshua, our Lord Jesus Christ, had the total package. The total package. The Bible describes him as being everything that God wants us to be. He says in James uh, James 3.16, the Bible says now in 1 Corinthians, the Bible describes him as the wisdom that comes from above. The Bible says that he has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And in James chapter 3, verse 16, he describes what that wisdom looks like for us. He says, uh, beginning at verse 13, James chapter 3 and verse 13. He says, James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good life, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. And see, that's you and me. You know, that's that's the human nature. That's the nature of Adam. Jealousy and selfish ambition. Always seeking something for ourselves. Always wanting something for us. Always wanting to grab. Jealous, covetous, jealous of what somebody else has. You know, and selfishly ambitious, living lives centered around ourselves. That's our human nature. Nobody has to teach you and me how to lie. Nobody has to teach you and me how to cheat. Nobody has to teach us how to steal or how to get angry when things don't go our way. No one has to teach us how to grab and force our own will. Nobody has to teach us that. It comes naturally because that's our human nature. That's the part of the human family. That's endemic of the human family. But in God's family, it's the exact opposite. He says, this wisdom, verse 15, this wisdom, James 3.15, is not such as come down from above, no, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil, devilish. He says, where you, but for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And isn't that what we deal with? We deal with disorder, confusion, disarray. Things are, not, things are not in order and under control. Why? Because there's selfish ambition and bitterness and jealousy in our hearts. And you find vileness. Even in the church, you find vile practices. You know, you see, you look at what's going on in the world today, there's all this wickedness and backwardness and sinfulness, homosexuality, you know, pedophilia, you name it, all these vile things. Why? Because it begins with bitterness and it begins with selfish ambition and jealousy. The human our human condition. But he says, In God's family, it's different. When you belong to Yeshua, our Lord Jesus Christ, it's different. Because he is the wisdom that comes down from above. He is the wisdom that comes down from above, the wisdom of God for us. He says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is what? First, pure. It's first and foremost, pure. And see, this is what the Lord, this is why the Bible talks about. Uh, okay. He says it's first and foremost, pure. And let's just explore that. When we looked at Leviticus last week and Numbers and Deuteronomy, the Bible describes the offering that God, that was acceptable to God. If you were to offer a goat or an ox or a sheep or something like that, you couldn't just offer it to God whole. You couldn't offer it to God just a whole thing. It had to be cut up, the scripture says. It has to be cut up, cut up, cut up, cut up. And then not only cut up. But it has to be washed. The Bible says its inwards have to be washed and purified, and then it can be set on fire. And you see, in that, and then, and then, the Bible says it'll be a pleasing offering to God. And see, and to get into, and to get into God's family, that's what you and I have to go through. We must be cut up. That's what God does. He cuts us up, and then after he cuts us up, he washes us. He washes all the all of our inner parts our heart, our soul, our mind, our emotions. He washes all that, washes all of it, all the impurities out of it. And he puts us through fire and water, puts us, takes us out of fire, puts us back in water, takes us out of the water, puts us back in fire. He keeps melting and melting and melting and melting and melting and melting,
1: eliminating
0: the impurities in our heart. And that's why the Bible says in Romans 12:1 through 2, to offer yourselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy, and pleasing to him, holy and pleasing to him, holy and pleasing to him. This is your reasonable service. And so when you offer up your body to God as, as, a, as an offering to him, what you are saying is, Lord, cut me open. Cut me open. Cut me up. Put me through difficulties. Put me through trials. Put me through tribulations. Put me through hardships. Put me through pain. Put me through suffering. Because that's how you're going to get out of me, all of the sin that's attached, that, that clings to my heart. The Bible says, the Bible corroborates that in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27, 27 through 30. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye calls you to sin, pluck it out. Now, wait a minute. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. That's outside, right? See, in the law, in the Old Testament, what God would do is the Ten Commandments, all of them except for the 10th one, were external laws. Don't steal, don't kill, don't, you know, commit adultery, you know, don't have any other gods before me and all like this. All these things were outside things. But then the 10th one, don't covet. You see, nobody could do that. That was an internal thing from which all the other sins came. All the other sins of lying, adultery, putting other gods ahead of all those things came from coveting, wanting something that is not yours and wanting something that's not, that you're not supposed to have. So you see, there was the external life, and then there's the internal life, and that's what God is after. So many of us, we spend so much time cutting the bad fruit. Oh, I cussed. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Oh, forgive me for cussing, Lord. Oh, God, forgive me for, for lying. Oh, my goodness, Lord God, forgive me for this. For stealing lord god i'm tr- I'm really trying not to steal, forgive me for stealing oh god i i looked uh I, I looked with um you know i I yelled, I got angry, I lost my temper, this and that, all these external things it's like cutting the bad fruit from off of a tree, but God doesn't want us to just cut the bad fruit off the tree. God wants us to cut the tree down, He wants us to deal with the nature, the root cause of it. And this is why the Bible says, he says in, uh, you don't, don't uh, keep your fingers in Matthew chapter 5. But in Matthew in chapter 3, this is why the Lord says, oh, it's it's Matthew 3, no. Okay, I'll quote it. I'll quote it. The scripture says, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Oh, yeah, verse 10. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, and verse 10, beginning at verse 9, he says, And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The Lord wants us to deal with the root of the problem and not just the fruit of it. He wants us to deal with the root, and then the fruit will take care of itself. He wants to save us from our sin, not just forgive us of our sin. That's why his name is Yeshua, Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Save them from their sins. Save them from their sins. Not just forgive, no, save them. If my son Malachi, if there's a, a big ditch in the middle of the road, and I say, Malachi, don't go down that road, because if you go down that road, you're going to fall into that ditch. And Malachi does not listen to me. He goes down that road, and what does he do? He falls into that ditch. And then what is he doing? He's calling on his daddy to come and dig him out of that ditch, right? But I go up to the ditch and say, Well, son, you know, I forgive you. And then I leave. And he's still stuck in the ditch. Did I save him? Mm-mm. I didn't save him, did I? I forgave him, but I didn't save him. And that's what God wants us to do. God wants to save us from our sin. So he says, If your right eye, uh, he says, But the wisdom that is from above is pure. So God wants to purify us by cutting us open. And why is that? Because foolishness sticks to us. It's bound up in us. Mm -hmm. Foolishness is bound up in us. Poor choices are bound up in us. Recklessness, impulsiveness, greediness, uh, not paying, not responding to correction, that is in us. That foolishness is in us. It's attached. It's like an appendage, like an arm or a leg or a foot or a hand. And God says, he says in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 5, he says, "You you heard it that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So you see, he's saying this sin is in your heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, then pluck it out, cut it out, and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members and that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And what is the message that the Lord is trying to teach us here? Is it to literally cut out our eyes and to cut off our hands? No, there wouldn't be anything of us left. The point that our Lord is trying to make here is that the pain the same kind of pain that comes with having hands cut off or having feet cut off or having your eye ripped out or having, your, or having your hand removed, that same kind of pain is what we need to stop sinning. We need pain to stop, you know, when a foot is growing the wrong way. It's like my, my father, my birth father. My birth father. His, uh, when I was a child, his foot was growing incorrectly. Uh, It was just a birth, I guess it was like a birth defect. It was growing incorrectly. The doctors could not massage the foot back into place. No. It had been growing wrong for so many years. There was no massaging it back into place. The only thing that they could do to correct it was to break it. They broke the foot and then they could reset it. Then the foot could grow correctly. And that's what God wants to do to us. He has to cut us, break us, because we've been going wrong for so long. We've had wrong ways of thinking for so long. We've been making poor decisions for so long, habits. We've been doing it for so long. The only solution to our healing and deliverance is what? Being broken and then being reset by God. And this is discipline, because the Bible says, in turn in your Bibles to Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. We're going to look at Hebrews in chapter 12, 1 through 11. Now, Hebrews in chapter 12. We're talking about getting into God's family. Now, the scripture says in Romans eight twenty-eight and 29, don't turn there, you can just write it down. The scripture says, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. To them who are called according to his purpose, he says, for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And what does that mean? It means that you and I were predestined before the beginning of the whole world. We were predestined to think, speak, and behave like Jesus Christ. And the Bible says why. It says that he might be, Yeshua, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see, that we might be a part of his family, the elder brother of all younger brothers and sisters. He is the older brother, the elder brother of all his brothers and sisters, his siblings. That's what we were supposed to be. That's that's what God had called us to be. And so in order for us to be like our elder brother, then we have to go through what our elder brother went through. And the Bible says don't turn there, just if you want to, just write it down. We're we're going we're going somewhere with this. If you look at the Bible says that he made the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. He says, let see. Hebrews in chapter 2. Thank you, Lord. Don't turn there. Just write it down. Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 10. This is our elder brother here. And God's goal is for us to be like our elder brother. He says in verse 10 He says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the pioneer, the pioneer, the pioneer the pioneer, the one who goes ahead of us, who's, who's, who's the forerunner for us, the one who sets the example for us, just like John did for Jesus. John was the forerunner, the pioneer for Jesus, breaking open a way for when he came, then the people would be ready. Now Yeshua has come, and he is the forerunner, the pioneer of our faith, showing us that just as he had to do to be the Son of God, to, become, to be the Son of God, we have to do that same thing. That's what the Bible says in j I I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. I just give you so many scriptures because you've got to know the stuff is in the Bible, and that it's not Brother Arthur's opinion. The Bible says in John chapter uh, John chapter one that, and you can write that down. That to those who believed in Him, He gave them the power to become the sons of God. Become, and that is what we are. That is what we're becoming. We are becoming the sons of God. And in order to become the sons of God, we've got to do what Yeshua did in the world. We have to experience what he experienced in the world. We might not heal the sick and raise the dead and do all, all of his miracles and his ministry, but the life that he lived, the suffering that he went through denying himself and putting the will of the Father ahead of his own, that's what we have to go through. <clears throat> he says in Hebrews chapter 2 and 10, he says, for it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, that's you and me, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what? Suffering. He says, for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have one Father. You see, the one who sanctifies us and we who are being sanctified By him. That means the one who sets.